0: My name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. Now, before we get into our show for this episode, I want to thank everybody who's been listening to the previous episodes, um, especially the episode on the star system, if you have no idea what a star system is. Um... I definitely encourage you to go back and listen to that last, ep- that last Sunday edition episode. It is literally the last episode in the feed and wherever you're using it, listen to me right now. That was actually kind of inspired by, well, star systems and anime, but also the Shaman King. Because Shaman King does a thing that, um, it does it more directly than, I didn't mention this in the Shaman King episode, but it does it more directly than lots of shows like say Bleach do it, in which it just whole class reuses a character design for a totally different character. Um I'm not gonna spoil who that character is and what that character design is reused for, but um that new show um from Hiro Mashima, I believe the author is, um Eden Zero is uh Character design reusing show. I talked about this in the Star System thing, so definitely go check that out. It's really interesting Um practice that is super com- that is more common in anime than it is in many other um many other visual creative things. Um but the next Sunday edition will actually be along the same lines. It will be all about um, reboots. And if you're wondering, Alex usually doesn't announce it. It's because usually I don't have it planned out that far in advance. Give me a break. <laughs> but on that note, this week I am going to be talking about a little show that's been super popular lately called Horimiya.
1: きっと消えない今日は言えない元通りにはもうできないあの頃に君を残したまま
0: probably come across rom-com anime or um what I've come to know as a th- ensemble rom-com anime and what I mean by that is the the romantic comedy anime in which you are following um a group of basically high schoolers or middle schoolers who pair off and couple off Usually you get an episode focused on each individual couple. A this can make me feel so old because it was one of my like it it was the first box set I bought when I got into buying anime DVDs. A great kind of example of this, like ensemble rom com anime kind of subgenre. Is his and her circumstances, also known as *Kercano*, um, that show follows one main couple and then focuses in maybe for an episode or two, or like a maybe like a small three episode arc on specific on specific pairing in other like in other ways, and it's not always romantic. Sometimes it's um in the case of of two different characters it's one character who um I forget her name I forget um, both of their names but one character who is involved in the main cat and one character who only meets the main cast after you've gone through their entire little um, I think it's called like um, it, it hit those two's entire little um, three episode arc And that is because he is her new, I think, younger brother, even though he's, like, bigger and taller. Because their parents got remarried to each other. And this entire arc is about them, like, learning to just tolerate each other. Like, not even getting them to, like, be family, but to, like, be, like, tolerant of each other as step-siblings. And it's, it's a... It's really a pretty, pretty interesting dynamic of an episode. It's kind of the only, it's kind of the place they put that dynamic in the episode, in the show for Caracano. Um, but what was interesting to me about Hiro Mia is it it does something that's not comment, that actually Karakano, um, his and her circumstances, does really well. Is it the initial relationship that it presents. It presents fully and completely, and you get to follow along with it, but it's not it's not like the relationship is on again, off again. It's not like the point of this romantic comedy anime is you finally get to see the two characters kiss at the end. like They get that out of the way pretty quickly and it that's good because it's a 13 episode show but in getting that out of the way pretty quickly one of the things that people don't that people don't understand about especially um, romance anime until they've seen a lot of it is like the push and pull, the will they, won't won't they, gets really old. Like, it gets really old. And that's because that's not how, that's not usually how romance anime, now romance functions. Like, if you like somebody and they like you back, it, at some point it becomes everyone around you just has the same chance of use your words, dumbasses. And it, it it's like the tolerance for both of your bullshit goes like down and down and down and down and down until it's like, nothing. And what was um and actually if you go listen to um Mark Marin right now, he has a um he has an interview with Eddie Wong and Eddie Wong tells this great anecdote about being so embarrassed about about kissing his first girlfriend that his girlfriend's friends just took just took his like house keys and just dropped him down her shirt and was like deal with this you fucking moron and that forced him to like be romantically close to a girl for the first time in a way where like he couldn't get around it like i need to get home now um but the so that can get that kind of dynamic can get really old but what you also realize once you've seen a show that just admits to just lets the characters admit they like each other and move on in a relationship is it becomes a different kind of romance anime. And what I mean by that is it becomes a romance anime that's about being in a relationship, not about getting in a relationship, which are two very different parts of love. So a great um, a great anime, a, a great manga about a, that has both ends of it is um, the manga from um, kojico called Suzuka and by the way, spoiler alert for Suzuka here it's not it's, Suzuka is old it's, a, it's like 56 volumes you could read it if you wanted to but spoiler alert for Suzuka and I'm only saying spoiler alert because It is like a surprising, like, will wreck the story a little for you, for people. Spoiler. But you've been warned. So, the beginning of Suzuka starts in the way that, like, many romance anime do. And it's this, like, abusive female character and this, like, nice, shy, but put-upon, male character. They've got some harem elements in there with like older college girls just fucking with this kid to fuck with him. And it goes on like that for a while. And then they get um Akatsuki, the um main the male protagonist of that show. Louis is just, like they they write in that he gets a girlfriend. And he had the girlfriend for a period of the show and that leads to like jealousy and weirdness and they end up breaking up. And then he kind of floats in that same space of like, we both know we like each other, but she won't say it and I'm not a person and that character, not a character to push push Suzuka to say that she likes him. And then at some point there is a tipping point. Where they go like full on madly in love, and Akasuki gets Suzuki, get gets Suzuka pregnant at like two thirds of the way into that show, into that um manga, and that means that the um that means that the show changes and it changes to a show about like teenage pregnancy and but like not just teenage love but like real teenage love and like a commitment to each other at an age where that shouldn't be necessary but it feels necessary because now there's an unborn child involved and what that the playing with ends up playing with like you know um societal feelings about love between teenagers and societal feelings about like real commitment between two people who just happen to be under the age of eighteen or twenty one or whatever arbitrary number we put on human beings to make it feel like they're adults now they can go out in the world um when in the middle ages it was like if you made it to 30 you were an old man now um but the long and short of it is, is that it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like it it doesn't feel like a will they won't they at that point because they already have and they're in a relation and they would be in a relationship if not for the characters of especially Suzuka's parents. And that whole back half, back third of that manga is about Akesuki stepping up and like doing what he should if he wants to be with the girl of his dreams and about Suzuka doing what she should for the same. And that makes that, that end of that manga super interesting. It also makes it super... It also is like a Koji Co. esque fucked up way to set up um... What's it called? To set up his second um... To set up Fuka. The thing that got the anime where they straight up changed it because they couldn't truck the main girl so hard because it would hurt too much. In... I don't
2: have
0: an answer for that. In the in the manga for that show the main the main girl and the um. the, the, the main girl get hit by a truck halfway through and it becomes this exploration of like recover of like mourning a lost love and learning to find love again and like the most like oh fuck we're, we're in this now and in general, it seems like Koji CO is more interested in having conversations about different kinds of love and what, like, what real life can do with, lo- what real life circumstances might do to love other than, um, and not just spend so much time on like, will they, won't they kiss? He almost uses that as a lore. Another great um, manga that is in that same vein um, is, it's a big book too. It's called, it's like the size of one of those three volume ones. Um, and it's called, I think it's called Salmon. And it's about this girl who's like, just kind of drifting through life, being kind of okay living with her boyfriend who's an illustrator. and. Once again, spoiler alert for this book, for this manga, too. In the middle, in, like, the first third of the book, he bites it hard. He, like, gets hit by, always gets hit by a truck on his, um, Vespa, on his way home from work. And she's left to just kind of, like, exist in the world with nobody. Except for, like, her weird dipshit millennial friends, because... In the book, it's very clear that she's supposed to be a millennial, like a twenty, thirty something like, drifting, soulless human. much like myself. And it's about her figuring out what she wants for herself and figuring out what she wants to do. And it's about her living her life after her, like, long-time boyfriend is gone from the world. And it... it it makes it so much interesting because it has something to say about relationships and about love and about life that is lacking from something like Um Love Hina or Toradora or like all of these shows that are great romantic comedies but they don't they're so formulaic that they never expand the scope if that makes any sense. And so he- Hiromiya steps into that kind of list of shows and manga that I just offered up. And the fact that, like, they they make it really clear, like, these two are just going to be a couple for most of the show. You know, we're already going to start slightly focusing, soft focusing in on the characters around them. So it's made very clear to you that like these characters will be people by the end of this too and the but by far the most interesting thing it has to say about relationships and young relationships and young healthy relationships is probably the like way it treats so this is something that I think is I think is Done probably most effectively <laughs> in American media that I've seen lately. In Deadpool. Like they have some kinky weird sex in Deadpool. <laughs> Deadpool and his um and his girlfriend slash partner is that movie of like kinky weirdos and it's fabulous. <laughs> and they treat it with like a jokey levity, like it's not like it's not the thing you need to hide from. Like it's not abnormal, and it it, it comes out pretty quickly. Between um that, um even though um. Uh, Miyamura, the like, like crouching nerd hidden himbo character, is just kind of like a good guy. He's just kind of okay. And he he looks the way he does because he's into, like, body modification, light body modification and piercing. And just, like, <laughs> he seems like a latchkey kid. He seems like a kid who has left unattended a lot, is what I will say. And he seems like a kid who who's left unattended a lot. And the show makes goes out of its way to say, like, look, this kid doesn't have a lot of friends. Or didn't have a lot of friends until literally just now. And so what the show does with that is it makes him, like, understandably awkward around people who are just straight up now his friends. And the best representation of this is between him and the purple-haired one, um, Ishikawa. And Ishikawa is... Very accepting of the fact that Miyamura is just a, like a social social dumbass. Like he just doesn't... He hasn't had enough friendships where he can link the two... Where he, like he can make the leap from one rock to the other rock without slightly getting wet in the water first. <laughs> like he'll get to that other rock. But there's a strong chance that he will not jump. He will jump... He will hop down into the water and just, like, walk alongside the rock and maybe go to the next rock or maybe jump up onto this one after that. We'll see. And <laughs> that provides this, like, wonderful, hilarious... These wonderful, hilarious moments between the two of them where... Like, Ishikawa just, like, doesn't know how to take the fact that, like, Maya Miyamura is just like doesn't have the social graces to get to the next thing in the right way so he's just like I'm, like I'm still a teenager I don't know how to compensate for you and they're like staring at each other like idiots and really what I'm trying to say there is that by taking the big the one big romantic relationship and just you know Work like making making it happen happen really fast. The characters ha- like straight up I'm like I forget what character like what episode by what episode they ultimately sleep together, but they sleep together like I think before the halfway point of the show, which is pretty uncommon in the world of like teenage romance anime <laughs> um but they straight up like they sleep together and then their relationship is just solid and for any of you being like it would be more drama than that I can tell you from literally my high school days I knew people who like in their relationship they were very clearly super confident and had been sleeping with each other for a long time before, like most of the rest of us knew we were, you know, capable of that. And those relationships do really exist in real life. There are just people who, when they get in a relationship with each other, there's this innate deep stability that just exists. And they're really accepting of each other and. accepting of each other's quirks and weirdness. And there's this fucking hilarious bit. They play out really excellently in the entire show. and the for, basically from when they start sleeping with each other kind of on is Hori, Hori is revealed to have like a domination kink. Which translates to she likes when Miyamura is just an asshole to her, it's just a shitty boyfriend to her, and they. The best part is they play this all for comedy, but they play this all for comedy. But also they flip the switch immediately and they're like, "Oh no, they're both into it. Okay, it's fine." Or like Hori's into it and. Miyamura does it because she's she's into it. It's like his way of being a good boyfriend. (laughs) And then they'll flip the switch sometimes again to, like, outside characters who are just like, why the fuck does this girl stay with this asshole? (laughs) My favorite of which is at some point, um, Miyamura runs into these guys who were who were who bullied him in middle school. And Hori just loses her mind. She's like, you guys are fucking asshole and kicks the, and kicks the shit out of them. Like off-screen beats the crap out of them. And he just And first off, Miyamura's just like, Do you feel better now? She's like, I feel fabulous, thank you. Let's go and fuck. Um But Later on, you see you see her picking up like snacks or something, and one of the other like bullies from Miyamura's middle school days is just like, "Is that that chick who goes out with Miyamura? Why is he with her? We should we should hit on her." And she, like, roundly tells them to go fuck themselves, and then just like meekly goes back to Miyamura and like. He takes her hand and she, like, trailed behind him like a scarred puppy. And to you, the viewer, you know, like, she's very into that. She's, like, that's her thing. That's her kink. You leave that couple alone. But to the other people, they're like, oh, he's a monster person. He's abusive. And it's it, It's this super simple demonstration of, you know, like a, not that, it's not like we're talking like they're going, they're going home and he's doing, he's putting her in a shibai swing and like fucking spinning her five times before they have sex, but it is a dimension of a relationship being show being shown in a way where you see all sides of it and if it's, it's not it shows you how it can be perceived negatively but it shows you how the people in the relationship are accepting of each other and accepting of each other's preferences and the whole nine and and the characters that are close to both Hori and and Miyamura both realize, like, that there's only one reason that Miyamura would do this, and that's because Hori asked for it. <laughs> we all need to not say anything and just let it happen because this is their saying. <laughs> and it's fine. We're fine with it. We're not here to kink, shame, Hori. Or shame Miyamura for, for like, not manning up and just saying, no, this is dumb. It's fine. And it's just... uh, And then, like, I started to mention earlier between the, like, friendship between Miyamura and um, Ishikawa... Is another awesome thing they get to do in this show because they have such a rock solid, like romance angle that they can just reliably pan back to whenever they're like, okay, we want to show we wanna show the love story again. Let's pan back to this. And what that is, is that this show gets to be about all kinds of relationships. It gets to be about you know, male friendship, you know, male-female friendship. It gets to be about, you know, casual acquaintances. It gets to be about how you are in a group of friends versus how you are with a single friend. It gets to be about all the kind of complicated, variegated shades of a relationship that exist aside from, oh, I want to make out with that girl. And I think that's really important. And so the show a couple of seasons ago, um, Sundari Children, started... was similar to this, but it was also... It was only... From what, from what I understand, I actually didn't get a chance to watch it. It was only about primarily romantic boy-girl relationships. There's a character right now in the show who... You the show's pretty sure might I'm pretty sure might be casting as gay. And one of the reasons why he beat why he was so mean to um Miyamura in middle school could have been because he had a crush on him. And they set up Miyamura as like in the show. I just want to be nice to this guy. <laughs> Even though this guy was a jerk, he seems to be being nice now. So is just like, I'm just going to be nice to the guy, see what happens. And I, what was interesting about the show and one of the reasons why people probably find it to be so good is because it has time, It figured out how to have time in 13 episodes to have... To focus on all kinds of relationships, to focus on like the weird, please prom, the weird, ki- the weird kind of like level of friendship you leech between a boy and a girl where a girl can be like, please just pretend to be my boyfriend for like an hour so I can get out of this horse shit. Which is a promise I have A m- given to people. Like you could, if like, if listen, if you need me to act as like, the scary man, the scary boy, boyfriend, for, like, a night, I will totally show up to a party and do that. And people have taken up taken me up on that and been like, hey, um, I'm going to a party. I need a shield. <laughs> Please, I'm like, absolutely. This sounds like fun. I uh, Point me in the hors table, and I will shield you while also eating hors d'oeuvres. And... that and his kind of understanding of like sexual fantasies kinks, how teenagers might experience those things it it manages to do these it manages to help the audience do what, and I I talked about this movie called Cuties, it's a French movie on um, Netflix that got a lot of controversy um, the thing that cuties couldn't, thing the problem that cuties couldn't bridge, is it couldn't bridge the possibility that. Is it, it couldn't help its viewer bridge the possibility that? And actually, I didn't talk about this on a podcast. I talked about this in the pre in the um pre recording for um me, Lauren and Larry's show Uncanny Curves, which is all about X Men, but. The thing I said to her was the thing I said to Lauren and Larry was it cuties is confront is forcing its adult viewers to remember that teenagers and preteens are very capable of being aware of themselves sexually in some way. And this show just this show uses the, like, strengths of the relationship between, between the two main characters, um, Hori and Miyamura, to explore that in a way that is just comedic enough where it knows the viewer won't lose their mind. Like, like at, at no point would somebody who is already watching a romance anime... Who's, watching, who's going to anime specifically to watch this, be like, oh, I'm freaked out because these characters are possibly, like, 17. No, they... This show makes you understand that, like, no, at, at 17, you have these thoughts. You know, th- these thoughts occur to people who are younger than 18 constantly, and they, like, live in that soup constantly, and it sucks. And and it sucks until you find someone who you are allowed to entertain those concepts with. And that, like, f- focusing all that on the main couple, like I keep saying, allows them to explore relationships in all different shapes and forms, including the kind of the only adult couple in the show, which is... um Hori's parents. And they, like, they have this moment when Miyamura, like, puts all the puzzle pieces together out loud, like, in his head and then says it out loud. And just Hori's mother is like, you didn't, like, you didn't have to spell out why her father is so... why I'm so into her dad. (laughs) Like, I feel like you just... Just like dropped a quarter in the family therapy jar immediately. <laughs> we've gone so we've gone so many years without dropping quarters in that jar now there's another quarter in that jar, and it it's just a really phenomenal execution of what a like big ensemble of what a Big ensemble like romance anime could be, and it's so much it imagines so much more depth than is usually allotted to these kinds of shows um and also the other nice thing is like in the beginning of in the beginning of the show, it's like revealed that Ishikawa has a crush on Hori. And Hori straight up rejects him. And that's when Ishikawa kind of comes to realization, like, oh, it's because you like Miyamura, And I'm friends with Miyamura. And it's gonna be hard for me to get over this, but like we all we're all friends, and I'm fine with it. Like, I'm fine with it, motherfucker. And it lets him move on from it. And it lets him like retain. Agency as a male character with human, with a human heart, and oftentimes in these ensemble shows, it feels like the other male characters are just there as set dressing, and um, some for some reason this makes me think of the Monogatari series, even though um Aragi is really the only male character in that it, a lot of romance shows with more than one female character can feel like harem shows if those if those relationships are not played really carefully and this avoids that by having everybody have feelings and be viable and be self-aware and you feel the, you feel the pieces moving on the chessboard when they're not in the presence of other pieces. If that makes any any sense, like you have whole episodes where you focus on um, Yuki, the like cute blonde character whose sweater never fits, and you have full episodes where like you're dealing with her with her inner struggles, and her, and, like, her as a, as an individual character, and you have, there's uh, another character named, um, Ayasaka, who, like, you literally see this character, like, she fucking, she goes for what she goddamn wants, and, like, the, in the, um, I think in the most, in one of the most recent episodes, she just like goes for it. She's like, I like I'm into this guy. It's gonna happen. I'm gonna make it happen. And she does, and it's this it's it's an attribution of intelligence to high schoolers that is pretty that is probably pretty realistic, and I brought up um I brought up Carcano at the opening of this podcast because the um his and her circumstances Carcano is has the same kind of reverence for its character had the same kind of respect for the character it, it has pretty much the same concept conceptual. Construction of a sex scene between the between um uh the the two main characters of that show I forget the um main character's name um but basically the, there's the show there's that like the Caracano relationship before they sleep together and then there's the Caracano relationship. After they sleep together, and it's it does a very clear but very subtle shift in 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 the case of Hiromiya, like after after they sleep together, it's very clear that like horny, like oh oh, I can be horny now, <laughs> and it's so good. And the kind of the last thing I want to talk about with this show is that. I really appreciate the show giving the space for, like, real female agency in a relationship. Because, and believe me, especially straight men do not need excuses to, like, be, do, do not need space to feel like victims in this way. But I think this is really important. The universe expects that the, like, advances of a relationship or the society expects the advances of a relationship be made by principally men. Like, if somebody asks you if you're going out in the presence of both of you, it can feel like it's the guy's, it's the, it's the guy's, it's the guy's responsibility to fess up to it, or to, or to put the wall up. And if he picks the wrong one, he will be tarred and feathered and killed. But if he picks the right one, it's usually not without like a like a like a stare, like a sideways glance of like, um, can I can I tell this person, like. Can this person know that we potentially one day, or already have, may fuck? Like, can I do that without you getting angry at me? It's that allowed? Um, And in this show, you know, when it, it comes down to it, Hori is the one who says, like, straight up, like, yeah, me and Mark my boyfriend. You leave us alone. You leave us alone, Dad. You're fucking the least responsible human on the planet. I do not care what you say. You are not intimidating enough to pull off I will murder you in your sleep, son, kind of energy. I'm not worried. And also, Mom loves him, so it's fine. Mom thinks he's great. (laughs) And so so does my... and, And so does... And so is Shota, my little brother, because all little brothers are just always named Shota. It's so weird. Um, But, you see, the show in in Ayasaki also shows, like, a a female character who takes agency and takes, takes the reins of a relationship and says, like, I like you. And not like it's a And it doesn't feel like it always feels when you you meet out by the cherry tree in fall and the girl hands you a letter, like runs away with her face in her hand and it just says, I'm in love with you when you open it kind of thing. It's straight up like women just being like, no, I see what I want. And I'm going for it. Like I'm going for it. I'm taking it. This is mine now. And it's, but also, once again, it, in the character of um Yuki and, uh, um, one was green hair? Um, Ira, and Ira, it, like, makes that room for a more traditional, more shy personality of someone who, like, clearly has their eye on somebody, but doesn't know what to do. It doesn't have that, like, bottomless well of confidence to draw from, to be, like, your mom, you, 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 in the bedroom, right now. Like, they they don't have that kind of energy, so the show allows them to be different and be individual. And it... The whole show is really... And I, if I had to guess, I'd say that while they might have another season, I think that if it was if it got if this show got another season, I a I think they'd stick with the main cast, but I also think that they would. Um. Did have the confidence and the built characters to focus on how on how all those relationships work and how all the gears are turning in a way that was really satisfying for the viewer. Because they've done a lot of really good work letting these characters be individuals. But I also think that it's highly possible, the reason why they limited themselves to 13 episodes and gave themselves maybe one more episode than a half season is they wanted to show to have enough room to accomplish what it accomplishes and then just be done. Because one of the reasons why things like Love Hina feel like they take forever and even things like um, like um Suzuka, um, is because they've they have such a big runtime, and they run into the same problem that things like long running shonen run into, in that like they have to fill the space, and if you and they feel like if they If they commit to the relationship, the primary relationship you're watching the show for, you'll you the viewer will fall away or they won't be able to write it to its ultimate conclusion. Whereas Horimiya is it feels like it took its time to get um Hori and Miyamura from, you know, acquaintances to friends. To couple to committed couple over a long enough time period where they could carry that to its conclude to whatever conclusion they would plan for it, and you would feel in confidence that they were doing it really well. Um, last spoiler alert, I plot, I promise, in his and her circumstances in Caracano, it in um. By the end of that show. Not by the end of the manga. The manga stretches out a little bit longer. Like they get into college years. And it. That gets more complicated. But by the end of the manga. um, The. Two main characters. Are in a place where they're like. Still very much. They still very much care for each other. They're still very much. In love. But they're spending less time physical time together and the female protagonist of that show comes to this realization of like, you know, relationships don't stay the same. Relationships don't always feel as hot and as heavy constantly. A good relationship doesn't feel like that all the time or else it has the potential to totally burn out. You know, no matter what our relationship is in the future, right now we're together and right now we're happy. And, you know, I may not get to see him all the time, but that's okay. The world, the world doesn't revolve around us. Our relationship may change, but we'll always be somewhere in each other's lives. And that provides this really soft, kindness to the concept of, like, you won't always love the person you always loved, that that, that you've loved up until now. And I, I think that more romance anime could do with the... And I'm not talking about, like, the jokey ones, like, um, that are just straight-up gimmicks, like, um... Monster Musume or something like that that are designed for a totally different purpose because everyone knows that Monster Musume is a giant conversation about, you know, disabled people existing in an ableist world and um, modifying the world to be less ableist. Um, I'm I'm saying if you can't tell. But um, I think more of the generalized romance anime could benefit from you know having the ability to commit to her to the to the core relationship at some point when there's still a significant chunk of time left to the show um i've brought it up um i brought it up in the um sunday in the last sunday edition but in nana one of the things that it does, that that show is so interested in because it's a shoujo romance, it's a shojo romance drama anime. It's interested in showing you Hachi going through, you know, relationships of all, of all different qualities and all different levels of like good and bad. And it sure, sh- ultimately it shows you what it looks like when, she picks a relationship with just the shittiest guy. With just a shitty rich dude. And it's like, it takes from the very beginning, it takes on this quality of this like melodramatic, just like, oh, no one's going to be happy at the end of this. This sucks. Let's keep watching. And it takes you, and that casts this weird shadow over everything else in the show, because when the character that you, like, when the character that you know she ends up with and you know causes her to be, like, looking back on her life with, like, longing and desire shows up, you know. And you're like, oh, this motherfucker. And that casts everything else in this totally different light. And makes you feel a, a a totally different way about all these different characters, all these different men floating in and out of, um, of um Hachi's life. And then when you meet Ren, who is like Nana's faded, f- faded partner, that takes on its own separate dimension, and they and they splinter off into all. They flunge off into only bad relationships in that show. Like, there are no... There's like two, two, three good relationships in that show. And the rest of them are just like, hey, so do you remember when you were in your 30s and you made terrible life choices? What if that never stopped? <laughs> and also... Weirdly, male underage male prostitution. Hey, oh, that show's so that show's so emotionally manipulative. But it that shows that that also shows a kind of depth of understanding of relationships and like how different they can be, and I think that looking back, we'll have the same understanding about Hiromiya, because it's about Horimiya, because it is showing the, like, diversity of human, of human relationship at the point at which you form your first your first really meaningful ones where you know what you're doing. Where you're not just in the same class with each other anymore. You know, like, Everybody kind of knows. Everybody past high school knows that the like get the like that summer between eighth grade and ninth grade, between middle school and high school, whatever that divider for you is, is a huge summer. Like, it's not just like girls go away and come back and have like a female body. It's like you know guys disappear and grow up a little bit. You know relationships totally change. And it seems like it's overnight, and part of that is that, like, at least in America, if you're not listening to this in America, you'll understand what I'm about to say, um, in a second. What I'm saying in a second, middle up until you graduate middle school, none of that matters unless you do something really, really, really fucked up. J- you'll just end up in 8th grade. Like, you'll just end up in 8th grade. I don't know how to tell you. Like, you will fail your way down the river to the rock that is 8th grade. And as soon as you hit high school, everybody's just like, okay, everything matters. These are grades for college. Like, you you need to get good grades for college. And what they don't tell you is that, like, as long as you get a fucking degree from college... No, none of the grades in college really like you. It, it's a real D for done environment. If you go into a traditional four year school, like as long as you get fucking D's, you will get a diploma. You won't be like valedictorian or anything, but you'll get you'll get the piece of paper that means you can go job hunting. And that kind of pressure being put on people means that they behave in a way they start when they start to come close to that milestone, they behave in ways that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise. They, you know, start thinking about their life choices. They start thinking about their relationships. They start thinking about who's in their lives. And they start being more conscious about who they want to be friends with and who they are friends with. So they start making choices, conscious choices. like, I want to be friends with these people. I don't want to, do, like, I don't want to hang out with my soccer team all the time. Those guys are sexist pricks. Or, you know, I don't want to only be the like, nerdy math kid. I'm going to go work out for the entirety of this summer and come back and just be buff. I'm also going to get contact and lose a lot of weight. All this kind of like personal transformation stuff happens from eighth grade, from middle school to high school in a way that makes it so like high school, you're making pretty big, pretty consistent interpersonal choices constantly. And one another thing that I like about this like thing is like they created a friend group. And they've created, like, a core friend group. They've created a couple. And the last thing I'll say about this, and then I'll wrap it up. But in this show, they've created a core couple in Miyamura and Hori. And then they've created a friend group, like, an extended friend group that they exist with. And it's very clear that, like, there are times when, like, Miyamura and um, Ishikawa just kind of, like, hang out and, like, all... And, like, the guys in that group all hang out. And the girls in that group all hang out with each other. And then they've created, like, another step out from that. And just, like, a half another half step out from that last step. And what that creates is it creates this, like, very real social dynamic of, like, you know... Hori and Miyamura are part of this like clique of friends, and but they also exist in this bigger school, and they keep finding ways to like fit a character in here or fit a character in there and just build on the cast just a little bit more in really unique but pretty believable ways. And it shows that like these this relationship between all these characters and each other doesn't exist in a vacuum like there are other characters like there's a character who there's a um, so, there's this dude is <laughs> probably the funniest joke in the show um, Ishikawa Yuki, asked, Yuki clearly has a crush on Ishikawa um, and this guy has a crush on her and confesses to her and Yuki kind of, innocently and not so innocently, go to each cow and is like, I'm not going to ask Miyamura to do this because A, Miyamura is weird and can't pull it off. Sorry. And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. And Hori's like, no, she's not wrong. But this guy has a crush on me. I don't know how to turn him down. And hey, this is the most girl cop out thing ever. It's like I I I don't I don't wanna be mean to him. Like, no, tell him you don't like him. That's the adult Use your words, that's the adult thing. But they're do, they're doing this for a hilarious hot guy joke, which I am in support of all the way. Um, she's like, Ichikamaki, pretend to be my boyfriend. You're really good looking, and then like you'll pull it off. Fucking Miyamura of the sack of potatoes, it's weird. Um So They, like, sat up to, like, Miyamura and Hori just, like, on a balcony watching this, like, what the fuck? Like, all all of Yuki's friends are like, who? Who's crushing on Yuki? I wonder. They're just curious. And, like, Ishikawa also mostly said yes so he can be, so he can see this dude. And the guy who they present is, like, he is very attractive. He is hot, and like even Ishikawa and like, oh fuck, really? You don't want to go out with this dude? <laughs> even I'd fuck him. And like, there's a moment when he looks up and he like looks at me and me and just like, yeah, that guy's really hot. I might fuck him. A little worried, Hori might fuck him. And it's just like everybody's just like this dude is a smoke show. What? And she's just like, I don't know. I don't know anything about him. And I just kind of like, don't want to go out with him. And it's just very honest, but also very dishonest. Like, I'm saying this to the guy I actually like answer. And it's it's a really good, dumb visual joke that is done with humor that... <laughs> is so about, like, kids now who would say, who would say confidently out loud, like, that dude's, that dude's a smoke show. Like, I want him to take my shirt off and I'm a dude. <laughs> it's, it's really good. And it, it it's just. I think if I had to boil it all down to, like, a one phrase thing. It's that Horimiya allows its relationships to be messy and complicated and fun. Not messy and complicated and just a drag and not like dragged on for 26 episodes until you're, literally holding both sides of your TV, damaging the screen, squeezing it as hard as you can, screaming, shut up and make out, you fucking assholes. On that note, um, I'm sorry if the audio got a little funky halfway through this. My headphone turned off, Um, but I have been Alex and you've been listening to Lunchbox Radio if you like this show, um, episodes come out every Thursday and Sunday. Thursday is a conversation about a, prop, a show proper. Um, Sundays are conversations about, you know, the meta layer of anime or about the industry itself. Like um, a couple Sundays ago, I covered what I called the $200 a month problem, which is the fact that if you don't know, animators in Japan are not uncommonly make only $200 a month. And, you know, how the industry might need to handle, might need to, like, get a shit together and fix that. Um, So you can go listen to the Sunday episodes and the normal Thursday episodes that I've done in the feed in whatever podcast app you're using right now. Um, And if you really like this show, you can go tell your friends, um share it with your you know anime friend group <sighs> but on that note i will talk to you on sunday mm.
2: 腕のシャツに